This is the Doc Psychology Podcast with Lynn Bokey, Todd Langston, and Art Ortiz. So today we're going to be talking about dog psychology. What is dog psychology? But in our own definition, um, Lynn has been a mentor to both myself and, and Todd and many others. And so we want to kind of just discuss about what dog psychology is in our own words. Todd, why don't you actually, Lynn, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What, do, what does dog psychology mean to you? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because when we were talking about starting this up, I was looking around online and, and there's no official definition for dog psychology, at least one that's agreed upon uh, out there in the world. So I thought this was a great idea. Now, I may have uh, gone more, uh, <laughs> not clinical, but actually with the definition was the idea. What's the definition? So here's mine. It's, I don't think it's lengthy, but it's, it's a little bit. So dog psychology is the study of how and why the pressures of an individual's life, instinctual, psychological, social, physical, and environmental work together to impact the individual's emotions and perceptions. The combinations of pressure consequently influence a dog's interactions and reactions to reveal how a dog behaves. Understanding dog psychology is essential to every aspect of a dog's overall well-being, including behavior modification and training. Implementing dog psychology is imperative for humans and their responsibility of maintaining the domestication of the animal inside the dog. Wow. Okay. Well, I just gets right off the bat. Like, well, I mean, we said definition, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's your definition. Um, okay, now I feel like um, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> but that's pretty uh, in depth. That was very well thought out, Lynn. But that is ex knowing you, that is exactly what it is, right? Um, Todd, what do you got? Um, less. Um, <laughs> um, it's 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 basically to me it's 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 the way that a dog sees and perceives the world, the way a dog learns in that world. And it's basically the way that they process these. So there's two different forms. There's a dog in itself and there's a dog in the human world. And I think that's different because they're, you know, it's, it, and it's just truest form. The psychology is the way that an animal or, or anything is perceives, learns and deals with the world, if you will, deals with what comes their way. And that is how I see it. So then it comes down to how do we break that down and share it so that people understand what we're trying to convey. So there's, there's the need to understand it on a level to help a dog, but there's also just a need to understand it so that you understand the dog. You know, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things is there's a, a, a complicated misunderstanding of how simple they go through things, but to me, what they represent is a human without consciousness. They're right. They're they're just that layer lower than us, our reactionary brain, and and I think understanding them helps understand us and vice versa. And and so, it's just the way that they see, think, in, in the world. And I think it doesn't need to be too much more complicated than that because it's complicated from there. For a lot of people, breaking that part down becomes complicated. How about you? How do you see it, Art? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same way, you know, but for me, it's like, uh, obviously, when you think of psychology or ology, uh, you know, is the study of, right? right? And so a lot of, of the work that we do is observing, like, what is the dog doing, right? So 
our, our line of work is a lot of studying the patterns that the dog has. And so for me, when I look at dog psychology is how can we honor the dog for who they are as their own individual species, right? And so, you know, we, we've brought them into our world, our human world, but they're two different species. And so we bring them in with the intention, I think, of like them um, making our lives better. But we don't ever really think about them in the sense of like what they need. So the, the, where dog psychology comes into play is honoring, there's honor in knowing who they are and how they operate and how we can make everything work together, the human and the dog. And so we honor them by knowing how they learn. And, you know, we were talking about what is the nose, how the dog sees the world through its right. nose. Like how do they perceive, like you said, you, how do they perceive, how do they perceive uh, everything that it, th this world that we live in. And so a lot of, and I talked about this recently on Instagram, is like, how, how can we have a dog's awakening and they, the awakening happens through their nose, right? People always, you know, for us and the human, it's our eyes. We have an awakening, right? But for the dog, it's a nose. And that comes based out of dog psychology, knowing what dog psychology is and how we can use it to benefit and how we can use it to merge our worlds together. And so, yes, uh, like I, I can see and can working with Lynn and, and talking about his pressure matrix and things like that. I see how that plays. Uh, and then also with you, Todd, uh, and the videos that you've been making on Instagram, I see how all the dog psychology is the foundation for everything, for who they are. And it's all about honor, honoring the dog. What do you think Caesar would say? Uh, you know, I wanted to look that up and I forgot to do that before we jumped on here. Uh, does he have a written definition of dog psychology? You know what? I don't really think we do. I, I, to me, I think I know what he would say. I'm curious. I bet what? it's in bullet points. I think he would, I think it's three words. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the trilogy. Caesarisms. Yeah. Nose, eyes, ears. That's Actually, what I'm thinking of actually. Yeah. I think, I, I think it would be nose, eyes, ears, uh, trust, respect, love, maybe. Um, I, I think we'd be in that, in that realm, but I don't think it'd be much more than six, maybe nine words. It might be three trilogies. You know, he might drop yeah. two or three bullet points, but uh, he's uh He's more like a, a, a Buddha when it comes to talking. He has a way of, even with his accent and everything, he's just got a way of saying way less and covering everything that you were thinking about, everything you are, are going to think about, and you can just do it very uh, brief, uh, concise. You know, uh, Todd, I don't even remember when we did the trained um... – when he, Caesar had us come out to the ranch, all the trainers remember that. And uh, it, there was this thing that he did where he got, I think it was like horse poop or something like that. And he'd use it as an exercise to create something. Can't remember exactly what it was, but he used the horse poop in a way because he wanted to like overwhelm the nose from what I understood, like overwhelm the nose. Then, then he was able to like get some interest in the dog to help it. Uh, I think it was like a nervous dog or something like that. He was trying to get something to like really overwhelm the nose so that they could be like curious about something. And so he used it to kind of create that follow in a weird way. And no one ever think like, oh, let me use poop as a, as a I way. But you dog that was the, the uh, medical dog, the dog that had been used for all kinds of studies and had never been on grass or something. And he wanted to use smell. He wanted to use nose to get it moving or open, something like I do. I re, I believe I remember it. I don't know the exact ending of it though. But I would say he would uh, he would say nose eyes ears, um, yeah. and that to me I get it completely because it's 
the process by which they take in the world. And that was, you know, even a point I made on, on a, a post and it got a little confusing for some is their, their final, like, Hey, I believe in this comes from the nose. And so anybody, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for anybody listening, uh, 60% of the brain's information, or the, what they gather from the world comes from their olfactory system, their nose. So 60%, what I call truth, what's going on. And only 15% comes from the eyes. And then 25% comes from what they hear. Now, the hearing is connected to the nervous system. So they kind of feel what they hear as well. So uh, most of the time, when we were talking earlier, when we were talking art, uh, and, and you as well, Todd, about the dogs being different. I, I've, I've moved it into, you know, the dog, a wild dog, to a pack dog and a pet dog. So that's three different forms of dog. And when, when they don't get everything that they need, they start only using their eyes. 15% of the truth is coming in. So they start reacting based off of all of the things that they're experiencing in their life. And that's another thing, what they had experienced before comes into play associations on how they behave in what's in front of them, realistic or not. This is how they, they're going to behave. Uh, but uh, uh, the, uh, the nose, eyes, ears, 60%. Most dogs only put their nose on the ground when they're outside smelling on the walk. And sometimes people don't know that that dog's just avoiding the world. He's not really smelling anything. He's just putting his nose on the ground to avoid uh, but 60% is quite a bit. Imagine losing one of your senses and uh, like your sight. Seeing is believing and smelling is believing for the dog. Well, at the end of the day, how much do you th – I think the challenge comes from it doesn't matter how well we define it. I think we're, we're wired to understand the subjective nature of psychology or we're wired to understand the more objective nature of numbers the way that I, I see it. And I, and I think that's where the struggle comes from is that for a certain category of, of learners or a certain category of perception and, and people, they only see a very intellectual concept. So they have a hard time. Um, they have a hard time getting down into the simplicity of a dog. I remember, you know, Lynn, you always had the, the great analogies and it, it's so easy. It's hard was one yeah. that I remember and it. It's perfect. And that's the whole thing is that, Humans have a hard time with psychology as it is. And I relate to that. I have a hard time with numbers. So I know that and how, how it goes both ways. And so finding that, and that's where Caesar's so gifted is that that simplicity behind what he teaches is really the goal because he gets so much across in that simple message. Yes. Yeah. And I think also it's important to remember that, you know, a lot of the dogs that we end up working, you know, people hire us as, as a dog trainer, but that's not who we are. No. You know, and so we're using dog psychology to reach the dog as opposed to kind of teach them something, you know, we're not here to teach them really anything as a, other than just be a dog. And so that's where dog psychology, that foundation that all of us um, have, you know, been built on is that is a foundation that we built because we understand we want to, you know, reach that dog. We're not there to teach them. So like people like, yes, people call me a dog trainer, but that's not who we are. I don't know? train dogs. I agree. And I was thinking today, one of the things about everybody that I've met in this line of work, who's actually really competent and good at what they do, there, there is a, a 
parallel of their human improvement with it. Like I've never met anybody five or six years ago that made something of themselves in this business that didn't improve themselves. Like that you don't meet them six years later and they're like a shittier version of themselves because to understand the process means you understand the psychology of improvement and it doesn't matter what you're improving. And I think that's what you see is that some people get that and some people don't. And, and that was, that's something over the years that I've seen in these, these people that have gotten this, cause it's not really that hard to get the dogs. I think that's something that we can gather pretty quickly. You know, if you're exposed to it in your home or in your, you're going out into shelters and stuff, I think the dogs can be, you can get that pretty quickly, but the whole concept of improvement, that's different. Well, yeah. I, I sort of disagree a little bit there. It's it, it's not as easy to, this is the so simple, it's difficult thing. Uh, each dog is completely different based on its, how it's been marinated through life. And so the nuances of everything, I, I get that people do get it pretty quickly, but they, they have difficulty with the nuances and when they can't, it doesn't work for them, then they go ahead and throw in some training, uh, dog obedience stuff, because they don't, they're not sure what to do here. When it's just like a volume, you just got to turn it up or turn it down. It's, it's you know, it's, intensity and sensitivity are the same. It's intensity. When it's low, the intensity is low. I have to call it sensitivity to people because they can't seem to understand the difference between intensity coming down and just being sensitive. So matching intensity or matching sensitivity is really just the same thing. I was in France. So um, to the point of energy, uh, these things have always been analogies I've used. It's like, you know, dogs live a different culture. And so when I was there and I was working with this lady, she was uh, a little difficult to read until she started talking about what ended up being the crate. And you could tell that she didn't like something. And I didn't know exactly what it was, but I had the lady who was translating go into more detail and, and basically point out that as little as I knew, I could feel or tell or vibe off of the negativity of what she was talking about. And then, you know, to me, it's always like, okay, now the dog is going to feel that, like you're injecting that into them as you put them into this box that you don't trust. Exactly. And then, and then you end up seeing the repercussions of that and the manifestation of that, not realizing it's not a choice the dog's making in a sense. It's like a survival mechanism of, well, obviously there's something wrong here. And, and that's the part that the simplicity of survival is the part in the psychology of the dog. I think that's the most overlooked. Right. And that's the simplicity part that's so easy. It's hard is that if you can make all your decisions based around, as you said, is this safe or not? Am I going to live through this? It becomes easier to understand their motivations and why they choose what they do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, something to piggyback on that, Todd, is I think that you perceive something that she was feeling a certain way, right? So a lot of times we, or dog owners do the same thing in a way, but the thing is, is we don't get to have that conversation to clarify what, why are they feeling like that? But in a human being, you could say, ask the translator, why is she feeling like that? What is it that, because you felt it, right? So right. a lot of times with the human beings, like w they feel something, but it could be their own interpretation because you could have interpreted some, you know, something else. 
You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about is the interpretation is, is a basic or even less than basic because people don't want to put so much time. It's like learning another language uh, with dogs, even though it's very simple. <laughs> it, it becomes very difficult when, because people just say dogs, this, not this dog, this, that dog, that, the other dog, the other, you right. know, and then you put these three together, it becomes something completely different. But then you put those three in a different environment with a lot of loud noises, and then it becomes something completely different again. Uh, it's just nuanced, and uh, sometimes it frustrates me. Uh, well, that's a linism right there, by the way. Everything's uh, exactly the same, but completely different. Yep. Yep. Everything is exactly the same while being completely different at the very same time. Well, that's, that is how it is. Um, you know, in your, your analogies, there's no reason to change a lot of them because they really do, they get to the point of, of what it is. I'm just going to say something. I totally spaced on what it was. You were going to um, say how good looking I am at 55? Both you guys, you guys bailed on the hats. So we got the, thank you for leaving me alone to the hat. Well, episode one, we thought maybe we'd dress up, maybe not wear well, You guys are both looking sharp. Yeah, but that's that. you, Todd. That's you every day, you know, surfer, you know, wearing a hat. It's part of the uniform. I, I adopted it at 19. I never looked back. <laughs> uh, hey, when have you ever seen me without a hat, you know? Very rarely. Dang it. What was I going to say? It was something that was uh, pointing to the moment as well. No, oh, well, it'll come. It'll come. Um, uh, so that, that that's just uh, where I see things uh, go wrong for the dogs. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk so much about trainers, but they are the translator when they come to learn from any of us when they go to work with the humans. So it's 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 a lot of the the same thing. Understanding everything, it's our job to understand everything to then maybe only give a sliver of that information to any one client, you know, but it is very important because at that moment when a dog is experiencing life differently than someone's experience or understanding, uh, they should stop everything, find out the information and then start over instead of right there, uh, throwing their own, uh, emotions onto the dog and blaming them. It happens so much. I do remember what I was going to say. And it, it, it's about part of the reason I think there, there's a lot of societal struggle in this. If you just look at, let's say you had the ability to gather uh, TV commercials that featured a dog over the last 10 or 15 years, how many of those commercials have a dog behaving well? Right. So it's almost like our, our unconscious norm is conditioned around all these little things, not to mention that that our per, we're conditioned to think dogs are there to, to fulfill certain needs in us. But just in the commercials alone, I mean, almost all of them, the dog is pulling on a leash, jumping on a counter, jumping on a human. Yeah. And it's perceived as joyous and positive and, right. and the way Driving you know car. what I mean? And so it's seen as the right way to do things. And and that's what people and trainers are up against is they're up against changing the perception that's been conditioned into the American, in this case, the American public. I mean, I've had the luxury of, of being in other countries and although in some people's eyes, it's the same, but it's weird. I mean, they only, in other countries, it tends to be, if you're a purebred dog, you're, you're something we'll give yeah. some time. And 
attention to and everything else is just a shit on the street. Yeah. But you make, you make a ahead. good point there because we're kind of in a, a vacuum, if that's the right way to describe it, where everything is dogs. Uh, I've traveled as well. And when I meet people, they don't have the first clue about a dog. And I'm like, why not? There's so much information out there. But the mass amount of people that compared to who and what we do in the dog world, it's we're small. So you you make a great point seeing yeah. people being and they sell they'll sell uh, you know a dog walking business with five dogs pulling the the walker down the street because they don't understand. You see what I mean? It's not That's part perception of perception too. Everyday. That is all perception as well. What's that? You know, that's the perception also. So like when we talk about like, you know, dog psychology and, and how does a dog perceive the world that we live in, right? And so when we create that environment, when I, when I go into houses, I'm, again, I'm not there to train, but I'm there to how does the dog associate the front door? How does the dog perceive what food means, right? These are all, th you know, things that we talk about how the dog perceives the world, right? And so, but that's what those commercials like Todd was talking about. They perceive that I'm going to get a dog and they should be doing these things. It's become the norm. You know what I mean? And that's so the good thing is that there anyway, where ah, this is what I thought I was getting with a French bulldog or this, but this is what I actually got because of the perceptions. Right. And, but it also, you know, you got like movies, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, I wanted a collie because I saw Lassie growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was affected by that too, you know? Well, you know, Caesar's like lasting rin tin tin, you know, I was like watching yeah. lasting rin tin tin. Um, you know, but so we, we, we were affected by that as well, but honestly, like going deeper and diving deeper into, you know, who the dog is, has led us to where we are today. And we have a job because of it. So I don't know if this guy was full of shit. I don't think he was, uh, a few months back, three, four months back. I had this guy that wanted he was he came from a rescue and his specialty in the rescue was trapping dogs. So he was able to go out and like track and trap these dogs that would get out in the woods that would be gone for a few days. And so he sat down with me and I said, Tell me, why is it that you want to deal with dogs? Like what is it that you want to learn? He goes, Well, he was a Spanish guy, he's like Argentina like from Argentina. He goes, So I owe dogs my life. And so I, ever since I've been a boy, I've wanted to give dogs everything I can because I owe them. I'm like, well, tell me, how do you owe me your life? He's like, so when I was a boy in Argentina, I had a dog named Rin Tin Tin. Oh, boy. <laughs> it doesn't sound real. And he's like, I was out playing and I fell in a well. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's, there's wells everywhere that are uncovered. And he goes, oh, cool, some deer just run by. He goes, I fell in a well. And I was in the well for a long time and everybody in the village was looking for me. And, oh shit, how funny. A couple of deer just went by and their dog went by chasing him right now. And uh, he's like, everybody in the village was looking for me. And my dog was running around barking at the people and nobody would listen to him. And then they brought a canine handler that came in to find me and he's like, you need to listen to the dog. <laughs> and they followed the dog to the well. And Rin Tin Tin, his dog, took the rescuers to the well and found him. And since then, it's he's a story from Lassie, dog. but the dog was Rin Tin Tin. I, I saw that episode. I watched that one. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was, I, the guy was sincere, but yeah. So little side story to How do you keep a straight I, face of that one? I couldn't. I'm even, I'm like tearing up as I say it. Cause it was so, it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem real. So 
little side story. That was pretty funny. That went just run, running by as well because the dog hasn't returned. Huh. It's a neighbor dog? Uh, yeah, there's this little neighbor dog, this little white dog that always wanders around. And June, uh, the very beginning of June is when the deer have their babies here. And so there's uh, a lot of deer activity. And the dogs will um, – you can, they can smell them. And what's interesting right. is like – so I walk every morning. And the mothers that have the babies will actually draw me and the dogs away, mm-hmm. right? So they'll do things that they don't do at any other time of year. They'll actually walk towards me, and they'll do really counterintuitive things to keep my attention away from the babies. What they- and, uh, yeah, it's really quite cool because, you know, every year we get these cycle of babies, and they have the little spots, the full babies. And the other thing I like about it is you really get to see that fears are taught. So these little babies aren't born with any flight. But what they do is they actually chase their mom. Well, they chase. So the parents, the mom will always run away. And then the babies just chase the mom. And you can see that the association gets built of what we run away from. We don't need to run away from a car in this context, but we do in this context. So you can drive right next to a deer and talk to them. But the context isn't that you're human because it's the car. And so what's really cool is to watch how the babies learn what to be afraid of. And yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to watch little babies of any kind, how they deal with space. We get birds that do the same thing and how space works, how the parents, you know, keep the babies really close with the birds really tight and then move them out and how they teach like, and this is the same thing when we're teaching the dogs, how you have to do, Lynn, you use this one a hundred percent of the work, 90% of the work, but that needs to transition that, that, uh, that needs to shift where what you're teaching is doing most of the work. And you see that when you, see these babies being taught how to feed themselves the birds you know because the parents will grab it and hand it to them and then in just a week you'll see they'll grab it and drop it and then yeah. in just a week well, you'll see they won't grab they're it at shaping. all so there's a progression of teaching yeah they're shaping them uh, yeah that what that deer was doing is the same thing what's what's this i, I the I dog the dog just went back by by the way the dog just trotted <laughs> back back home He's he's using his nose. Where did they go? He's uh, done. That deer was using uh, uh, instinctual pressure, trying to get you to chase them. There's a bird. They, they're out here and in Kansas. I learned this before I was ever even with dogs, and nobody taught it to me. So this this bird dragging itself across the thing. So I started following it. I'm like, what the heck is it? Come here, little baby. Let me help you. And it's just dragging its wing. And then all of a sudden it flew off. I'm like, what the heck? And every day I kept doing that. I'm like, you liar. And so I stopped moving and watched and it fly over here. And they were trying, try, maybe it's this wing that's broken. And I'm like, yeah, something's going on here. I had no clue, but it turns out this kind of bird lays its eggs on the ground. And so what it's doing is it's trying to tell you I'm hurt. So use your predatory uh, side of you to chase me and then I fly away and then my eggs are, are safe and so that's what that deer was doing too trying to get you to be predator and chase them or at least curiosity to get away from the uh, the babies I can't think of the name of the, the bird but I'm going to do a whole post on it because it's a it's a great thing to, to watch and my dogs they're not they're predators but they won't chase after the birds unless I say go get the birds and so we're walking, and the, the birds flopping. I go, all right, everybody stop. Let's let's try and look around for the eggs. And then I decided, wait, let's not find the eggs. But uh, yeah, it's a they have those built-in safety 
SOPs, standard operating procedures, how to how to get the the danger away. That's awesome. I, I hadn't seen a, a deer do that though. That's really nature is perfect. Think? I always say nature is perfect. It works exactly the way it's supposed to. What's that? That, that nature is perfect. It, it works exactly the way it's supposed to. You know, um, I, I was having a discussion with somebody about. Um, you know, they were sharing with me that they had a traumatic experience in their life. And I'm like, you know, as human beings, we're never allowed to really deal with the trauma. We either compartmentalize or we tell people that it's going to be like, you know, we, they, they don't ever really truly deal with the trauma. Whereas animals, and let's say they get chased by a predator, they have a traumatic experience. They get away and they're actually able to deal with the trauma. They actually go through the whole motion of going through it and then they're fine. In but the as wild. Human being, what? In the wild. Correct in the wild, but and as I humans, see we interrupt that cycle and throw in our emotions on it. Right, exactly. Attaches to the DNA, uh, so to speak, and then now they've got that extra thing. Instead of being able to process it naturally and let the the adrenaline and cortisol flow through the body and <laughs> relax on the side of the road when they're safe, but the human adds in that extra, oh my God. Right. You, would oh my God. you would never see a dog, in, or uh, not a dog, you would never see, or you, it could be a stray dog. It's very rare that you see a stray dog that is in distress. Yeah. You know, anxiety doesn't exist in nature. Right. Anxiety is a temporary, here comes something, deal with it, and it's got to pass. I mean, anxious animals die. I mean, that, I mean, that was something early on that I saw that you made clear too, and that was where the whole time in the pack was so helpful was that, you know, in a pack animal, you don't, you don't leave the pack. That's not a stable behavior. So just the, the presence of that behavior tells you there's something unstable in the thinking or unstable in the processing of the way that that animal's acting. And, and I think that's the part that, you know, we've had a, a unique seat of not just working with dogs, but working with people who work with dogs. I mean, think of how many trainers that we worked with over the years. And I think that's the thing that's unique is you can, there's, there's a certain there's a certain part of processing that people possess or they don't. And that's what separates the people that can do this and the ones that can't. I mean, I've met a lot of smart people that can regurgitate a lot of really great information, but at the end of the day, their ability in this <coughs> art is I sent you that same link was it's that ability to recognize patterns, yeah. that ability to understand what you're looking at. Now, what's interesting when I did that, um, that post about personality types is that one of the quirks about my personality type, is pattern recognition. It actually says that one of the focuses is the ability, they say, don't lie to this personality type because it's not that they know you're lying, but they can tell in the break of the pattern. <clears throat> and I've relied on that as much as anything. So what do you guys think are the skills or the quirks in humans that make them capable of doing this at a higher level versus the ones like, I've met a lot of people that are really well-trained in this that I would think are infinitely smarter in this than myself. They have a lot more information than myself. But for some reason, my ability to, to take what information is there and use it is different. And I think it's simple things like that. What do you guys see in, in the training of trainers that you, excuse me, <coughs> that you think does this? You, what do you, think people, you know, what do people need to be better at this? Yeah, I don't think that they're, you know, it's not that they're not getting information. Like you said, like a lot of people can regurgitate a lot of the information. I, I really think that um, it comes down to, we, talk, we were talking about dog psychology and not that everyone needs a pack, but it is so 
helpful to learn how to manage a group of dogs, right? You know, you had the experience, Todd, you know, of, of going to Lynn's facility with however many dogs, you know, and so, you know, you have that experience. And so you get to see it in action. Not only do you know about it, you get to see it and in, in real time, get an education. And I think that is one of the big things that I think people don't have the, the, uh, advantage of is seeing that in real time, it's like your own personal education in real time. And so, yes, people can talk a big game, but until they've had, you know, 30 or more dogs, or I'm not even talking a pack walk. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about having dogs off leash in, in a while. Inundated you know? with canines. Yeah. Right. Their own perceptions all at the same time. Right. And being able to manage all of those things and knowing every dog's personality and knowing what this dog is triggered, you're literally getting all this information and learning. And so like when people talk about dog psychology, again, Lynn, you've had the experience of, you know, seeing it with Caesar and things like that. Uh, I, I just think that that, that education, I mean, honestly, I mean, you, you paid a lot to, you know, learn from Lynn, Todd, and, but it was worth it because you got all that information and you got to see that stuff in real time. Not everyone has that, has that capability to do that. Well, I think the most powerful part, if I, when I look back, like the flash, the flash part of impact came from the, that you can't speak for 10 days. Wow. It, it did so much to the processing, right? So as, as like a visual, then auditory, visual, then auditory, creature that we are that loop gets shut down so then it goes from visual to processing visual to processing and, and the ability to talk about it or question it, it evaporates and there's something in that loop that changes things it's almost like when you lose a sense all your all your your energy goes into a different sense and it gets sharper mm -hmm. <laughs> and so my ability to process what i was looking at was so tremendously amplified in that in you know, if, if anybody were to go through the perfect process, I feel like I did. Well, that, back that, then I was doing stuff like count the dogs and people would go one. No, no, no. Four, three over there. That's nine. Count yeah. them all in chunks. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and things like what color pants is that person wearing? Yeah. All these things of like, look, how much, what's going on right now? How much can you pull together, but not act like you're pulling together? And, and by the way, look, that's some, a skill yeah. I learned from Lynn as well, by the way, because uh, remember Lynn, when you did the workshop in Vermont and uh, I was telling you about the person that was in the plane that I felt that she was going to be in the class because she was reading a book and she was taking notes. And I was like very detailed about this one particular person. Remember that? And you're like, you took like you mentally, I, but I, I was observant of everything that she was doing. Right. You remember that Lynn? Well, keep going so I can remember it. And so it was, it was a girl on the plane and she was reading a book. It was about wolves or something like that. And so I saw her now, and she was sitting across from me in the aisle in front of me, but across. And so she's in the middle, middle seat and she's taking notes and she's reading a book and she's like underlining and stuff like that. And I go, she's going to Lynn's workshop. I know she's going to Lynn's workshop. I just know I it. am. I, yeah. You know, so we're on the same plane, you know? And, and then I remember I, I told you like, yeah, she had a black, she using a black pin and she was underlining and she was about halfway in the book. And, and I saw the author of the book. It was titled this. I've never heard of the book. But I was just going through all the little details. And I remember you what telling me. What did I say? You said something like, you noticed all these things? I'm like, yeah, because I, being around you so much, like, you know, when you did recon and stuff like that, it's like everything that's, that's around me. Even when I go into like public places, I'm like, 
how, what's my way out? How do I, not that I want to leave, but I, if something happened, how would I get out of here? And so this goes back to Todd's question. How do people uh, have this ability versus information? And uh, all of my best students, when I had the actual school, uh, when I could do what I, what I did, you know, no talking and all that stuff, the, the vomit, the comet, and, you know, be in the back with the dogs. Anyway, uh, my best students, all of them, were either uh, restaurant servers or bartenders. And yep. Todd was at a fine dining place, so more attention to detail. But my my best ones are bartenders, if you look at it. And same thing with the, with servers, but the bartender, they got a conversation going on with this individual, and they're being very empathetic. While they see a server wanting their Coke, I'll be right over there in a minute. And in there, while they're making a Mai Tai, and in there laughing with somebody else over there, and they're crying at this one, and I'll be there in a second, and the man, and then ordering food, all at the same time, at the height of the the night in a restaurant. Those people were always uh, the best outcomes for my school. And so the answer to your question is more of a trial by fire or a uh, trauma uh, life or, you know, adversity, you know, I, I like to bond through adversity, you know, that's, that was the Marine Corps way, you know, that's how, how it imprints into your body. So when people would tell me that I, I have this gift, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know, that gift was black and blue with a bloody bow. I don't think that was a gift, you know, but if I didn't have that, the way I grew up, I, you know, I was, the stuff that goes on the normal kid's plate of life, what you learn, all of mine was survival, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, keeping safe. And so I heightened uh, aware of everything. And so it came in handy when I was in the Marine Corps in reconnaissance. And then it was really handy when I was a server for 10 years. And then, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a really lucky draw for me to survive in the way I did and then utilize everything that I, I had, but it, that's instincts, you know, that, that doesn't come from books. Uh, I, there are plenty of people that have just an amazing brain and can take in information and maybe even, uh, say things better than me. But when it comes down to working with the dog and actually understanding, I feel everything from that individual dog. And people, and my clients are like, don't worry if they bite me. I need them to express how they've been living for the last few years. I need to understand them, not your version of it. Where do you feel it, Lynn? Do you feel uh, it in your Do you think through this or do you physically feel it in your body? You know, right when I see, I just, it's all, I don't, I don't think it's a. Well, this is I, the reason I, this is what I think, you know. I, I've had an opportunity to be with some pretty fucking good dog minds, you know, and and one of the things that I've recognized is there's such a, a fantastic difference between the way, say, Caesar and I look at a situation where he physically, and I believe this just based on the way he explains it and the way he sees it and the way he works, he feels it. And so he feels it in a part of his body that tells him what, what's happening. I don't, I don't, I feel pain. I feel things, but I don't, I don't feel that. I, I feel like I'm processing it. 
So I feel like I'm more intellectually going through it, but I've done it so many times that I do it quick enough. It's almost instinctual. And that's what I'm saying is where do you, where do you feel like you're breaking it down? Well, when I see it, I mean, I never really broke that process down of where, what, how it works, but it's almost instantaneous. As soon as I look at the dog, I feel everything that they're feeling and I know how long they've been feeling it and how they ex experience it outward, you know, what they want to do. I, I don't know where it's just all at once. It, it uh, downloads, you know, I, I guess I, I should probably look and see maybe where it, I feel it. It might have some importance to it, but it's, it's well, instinctual. It, it, and I think it, it breaks apart. That's where it breaks apart the, you know, person, the, everything about the way that you, you do. It doesn't mean one's better than the other, uh, you well, know, where the processing part interrupts the feelings for me, the processing that I got to explain this to the human or the, the owner or a dog trainer. I mean, to yourself, I mean, outside of yourself where you're trying to explain this stuff. I mean, you're like, this is just you and the dog and the process, you know, you're in a shelter, you're, you, you know, you're going through and you're like, all right. This dog's coming from here, and this dog's coming from here, and this. I don't dog's know where I feel it. I I just did a whole thing where I was in uh, uh, Louisiana, and we went to the shelter. That that dog uh, Joy, it's on my Instagram. I'll send it to you, Todd. I don't think I, I've sent it to you, but I never even touched that dog, and nobody had touched that dog in four years because it would bite you. And I didn't touch the dog. It finally came up to me and was licking my face, and then I could touch it based on how I felt it, but I spent the hour before that going up to every run. This dog feels that he feels this. When I have to teach somebody or explain it to him, it gets kind of interrupted. It's not as pure as when it's just me and the dog. I go yeah. into a, a blackout almost. I don't know anything else exists but me and the dog. And well, uh, I, I probably really should uh, investigate if there's an exact place. I just I know where I, I feel it. For you. What's that? I know where I feel it. Where? I feel it in my chest. Okay. In my like chest. For, or for different things? Yeah, no. It's I, different I just, every time, right? Well, no. It's I mainly like if, it, it's more so like if I'm in a situation, right? And I'll explain, you know, how my process works. So like if I'm, if there's any inclination that the dog may bite me, right? Whether it's nervous or it's a very forward dog, I will, if I'm going to the house, I will mentally prepare myself. Think worst case scenario so that I can feel it to almost get it out in a way. Right. I so I kind of deal with it before I even go in, That's you know? Wild. And so, but it prepares me because when I go in, I don't have to experience that. I've already experienced it before. You know what I mean? Yeah, so but, it's what like, if you ex but that sounds like you're experiencing what the humans interpreted and then you get there and it's completely different. And yeah, but at least, at least I've already, er and that, I, I understand that, but I've already erred on the side of caution. I've already got rid of all the nervousness that could potentially come because I don't want that, to give that dog uh, any ounce of, of that. I'm I, hear what I hear what you're saying. It's, it's Tony except anxiety because anxiety is your mind telling you shit may happen. So it's almost like if there's any anxiety on the way to an aggressive thing, it's like, okay, what's worst case? Is that what you're saying, Art? Like yeah, you're yeah. So do you remember Todd when, uh, at TCW, remember that, that when you saw the dog, Yes. So as you're talking to my mind, I'm like, okay, I wonder, I wonder if he's going to talk about this case. Cause I'm already, I'm already, I'm already like having to choke him off of your arm. Right. So I'm already in the process of leashing him up to remove him from you as that broke down. 
by the way. I mean, I, you saw me. I've said that. I've got the leash. I'm like, I'm, let's get the dog. Well, what did I say? Do you remember what I said? No. I said, I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, and I, you did. I mean, there was a piece about you were in total peace. I mean, I was just there. I wasn't, I didn't interrupt anything. I was just there, but I, that was my mindset of that moment. And so like to kind of describe what that was, uh, we were at, at TCW. Honestly, I don't even know what caused it. I, I don't I think even know. it was a, a llama. I think yeah, because we were triangle of the, uh, the, uh, the paddock. And I think a donkey or, or the llama came up and he got in the, and the dog you have was like a pity, right? Well, he was with the owner and he couldn't, no. the, the guy couldn't control it. Yeah. And I grabbed the leash. Okay. That's right. Because I was like, uh, this dog gets out. Like it's not going to be a pretty picture. So I ended up grabbing the leash. The dog just turns around, looks at me and just jumps up and grabs my arm. Now, luckily the reason I told Todd, like I got it, I got it because he wasn't on, he was on, but not on. He was on your sweat. What was he on your sweatshirt? Or I had your... a hoodie on. Yeah. Didn't right. leave a mark or anything, but I was just like, I just kind of, you know, I was holding, holding, holding. And I said, Todd, I got it. Cause you were trying to grab the leash. I said, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then he just let go. And I grabbed him and I kind of, you know, he was you warning kinda, you. Yeah. He just had a hold of you saying, I can tear you up. No, he missed. Oh. He missed. Oh, it was, he didn't fucking warn it again. Art played great defense. So I didn't, wasn't trying to grab the leash. At least this is not how I remembered. I had a leash in my hand because I was expecting to have to take him off of your arm. And, and what I remember is that you had your, he, this dog wanted his arm. If this dog, if, if he was at, uh, like a, an eighth of a turn away from being able to to free himself from the defense that Art was playing to get him, and it's just that Art had a like a certain way about him, and he was just handling it in such a, a way. And I was, and he it settled down. It's, and, a, it's a good example for people uh, who think, well, he didn't draw blood, or he didn't. He got my sleeve. He thought he had you. Oh, he fucking, yeah. In his mind, he was holding hard. Okay. I thought you yeah. said he had your arm, but he wasn't biting, but he had your sleeve. No, no, no. It wasn't a mock bite of anything. It was good defense by Art. I was actually, I, I think I gave you props after that, if I remember right, because I was quite um, quite impressed by the the maneuvering. It was a jujitsu. It was good. No, right. but I remember I remember you, t you saying, like, you said, I saw his mouth on your arm. Like you, you said that I saw, That's his what mouth, I, but I was like, well, I didn't, I, I honestly, I, I don't really remember that because I didn't feel that. Right. But that I knew a, what I had to do. I knew how I had to defend myself. And honestly, that that's credit to Lynn, uh, honestly, about how do you handle leash in those situations? You know, I've already experienced, not that I've experienced that, but I had already prepared myself in, in, in case something like that happened. You know what I mean? Well, that, 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 that kind of sp uh, spring, you, know, right. you don't spring very often. And so if you're not expecting the spring, you're done. And, yeah, yeah. I, he was in my left arm and I reached around and his mouth was still in. I gave him a little bit of pressure, opposite reflex, as Lynn would say, opposite reflex. And he kind of let go for a moment. And then I was able to grab his, this arm got out. I was able to grab his backside and turn him around and swing him around. You got to use the whole body. Well, fortunately, we don't we don't tend to bring in the real serious cases, yeah. into, and for a reason because we have so many people and there's so many moving parts. But we at the end of 2022, it was pretty saucy. We had uh, we were getting students got bit, um, Caesar got bit, I got bit. I mean, it was just it was uh, 
you know, I had a moment in the middle of a circle. I mean, I'm surrounded in 30 or 40 people and I've in same situation where, you know, you get that angle in front, like that 80 degree angle that can shut them down and you go to like shut them down and they just fucking go right at the pressure, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, it was a workshop of that. Yeah. You gotta, and, it's gotta be just right at the right time. <laughs> you can pull them through it or not pull enough and they'll come through it. So you gotta be perfect every time. Goldilocks, yeah. as Lynn would that say, Goldilocks. What's that? Goldilocks. Oh, that Goldilocks. Rule number Goldie- four. What's that? Goldilocks. What would Goldilocks do? Her whole uh, her whole goal in life is to find where it's just right. Uh, that must have come post post. Oh yeah, uh, what stuff? I yeah yeah. I got ten rules by the way. Ten rules to live by now. Yeah, we haven't we haven't hung out in a long time, man. I guess we got some catching up to do. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, what were we talking about? The... Well, I think this is all good uh, for our first episode. I think we should yeah. probably end it here. Yeah. Um, but next episode is going to be origins, how we got our start in dog psychology, which I think is going to be really good storytelling. Uh, yeah. We all, uh, you know, talking about everything is exactly the same, but completely different. That's kind of our story for origins. Like we all kind of got our start, but it all goes back to. The top. You're going into it already. You can't I know. Get well, into it. Well, just a little preview, a little teaser for next week. You guys, with that, uh, if you go to that post that I did on personality types, you know almost everybody that responded had the same personality type. Isn't that weird? Hmm. And what was it's, it? Curiosity. Well, it's broken down into four letters, and and there's the first two letters are based on introvert and extrovert. Those would change, but. NFJ. Now, what's interesting is I'm married to an NFJ. So an NFJ has a very specific way in which they do. They're judgmental. They're they're emotional. There's all these things, and like She's all not these judgmental at all. Shit. There's all <laughs> these all these uh, these people that replied that were, and it was really interesting to see because I was curious about that. And um, Lisa Porter and I were very similar. Uh, but nobody was really close to me and Lisa. Everybody else had this one little, like, they're all in the same thing. It would be interesting if you guys take it, just so we, it, it's a topic of conversation, but it's accurate as fuck. If you read my description, like, from this website, you will laugh at how accurate it is about describing me and, like, all these little quirky things about me. Not, and where I've really recognized the help is, like, so I'm a, I'm a logician, meaning, like, everything to me is extremely logical. Yeah. And and Jen is not. Jen is the exact opposite. And I can start to see now where so many disagreements and little subtle things come into play because I'm using a certain process and she's using a different process. And it's interesting just because it 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 really opens you up to the difference between what would be considered let's say a fault and something that's just kind of a wiring. And like being on the same page but two different books. Pretty much. My daughter's the exact same as me, but she's extroverted. I'm introverted. And so the same arguments and same issues that my daughter has with my wife, I have with my wife. They're the exact same. Yeah. You talk about her while you go fishing, right? Yeah. I love going fishing. I've actually, I've, I backed off. I was getting too much. It was too saturated. You know, called dopamine fasting, where you get too much into something and you got to kind of pull back from it. Otherwise, it, you just get mired. The, the new, it, it sucks. And so I've just stopped fishing all of a sudden. And it's interesting, you know, you, if you do it quick enough, it's like you don't miss it. But it's, it's, yeah. it's building back up the, um, the motivation to do it. Mm. Well, cool. So, all right, well, all right. 
let's end it right there. Let's uh, let's let's save this stuff for the next episode. I think it'll be really good information. So, all right. So this is the Dog Psychology Podcast with Lynn, Todd, and Art. We'll see you guys next week.